You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I'm Jason Wheeler. I'm Roger Gaddis. And today we have a very exciting show for you. Spring has sprung here in Kansas City and in much of the heartland. we got planters out rolling and, and stuff like that. It's, it's exciting. But as always, for two years running, that also means... The CFTC puts on their big conference in Kansas City, and they did that last week. And Roger and I were lucky enough to attend, which was exciting for both of us. It's broadened our horizons to uh, different worlds. Interesting use of descriptors. Uh, but yes, uh, we did attend, and uh, it was um, it was eye-opening, to say the least. I think that's, that's something I can say uh, confidently. One, one cool thing about it is you go in, I don't know, four or 500 people or something, and uh, and you go in this, these rooms with people of all different sorts of backgrounds, but some of them actually listen to this podcast. So if you were there and you said hi to us, thanks. That was cool. We're, that was uh, fun to get to meet some folks. We're glad you didn't shun us. So yeah, it, it was a, it was a, it was a uh, interesting conference. And uh, had some interesting speakers, which is was great, you know, to hear some different uh, sides of the business, other perspectives of the bushel, so to speak. And uh, man, if, if I took away anything from the conferences that I am very, very thankful to be a merchandiser and not a trader. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. So that's what we really wanted to delve into today, I believe, is... It's some of that stuff, but the, I guess, you know, it's two days of meetings, but we wanted to pick out some of the stuff that's interesting to the grain elevators, the folks actually in the grain business, and 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 talk about that and the different perspectives on those things. Uh, so to start, one thing, obviously, you, you get the schedule, the highlight of, of the topics for someone like us was the convergence panel. Indeed, we've... we've uh express strong feelings on this topic from time to time. That's right. And uh, so it was good to hear other people's strong opinions on it as well. They were wrong, but it was good to hear them. Yeah. Well, not all of them, but one, we'll, one we'll get to right. that. We'll get to that. But but uh, it, it, it was good. As If you haven't listened to it, we've got a podcast we did on Convergence that is has become the industry standard, I believe. Because <laughs> I've heard it's used in academia. We're we're a quoted source, you know. Um, it's a vicious circle of quoting other people's. <laughs> I don't know. Randy will cut that later. So, anyways, we did. We did. Uh, we got to sit and listen. So, how they did every panel is they would have a researcher kind of just paint the whole picture of the situation. They had a nice PowerPoint with forty-seven thousand words on each slide and that sort of thing. Hmm. Questionable use of a descriptor again. Nice. But they did. They're right. They had usually, you know, it was a four person panel for all of the sessions, I believe, but they had academia types, 
regulator types, CME types, and uh, a business type, type, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, an actual user of the product. Right. And it was great because <laughs> they didn't always agree, which no surprise, but it was it was interesting to see the different perspectives on exactly. one thing. That's what yeah. was incredible to witness. So so the convergence panel starts out with uh with a professor here locally to to give the same the same sort of sort of talk you hear at these at these events, an academic type they show. My favorite are this fifteen year basis histories of something with with um with no spreads in it oh and just gosh. say it's just one big long line of of ups and downs and you know try to glean something from it of course those of us in the business that understand how spreads work and how the the market rations demand using basis and spreads know that that's one year doesn't really reflect another and of course if you don't have spreads it looks crazy because if you think about it just just real quickly the reason we say that think about uh soybeans for instance you know a few years back we had huge huge inverses so if you go if the july to nov uh is inverted a dollar let's say which it's been inverted more but let's say a dollar and you're at even july and the next day you move to november and you're a dollar over november well what that means is the basis hasn't changed at all at all even a little it's the same but on this professor's chart it will you'll see a massive spike from zero and, and they'll say oh we got convergence problems that's look at it. it shouldn't be so volatile but it's uh it's not you know i was really really glad to hear everyone's restraint and not use the term contango that was that was one of the big takeaways when they were talking about convergence i was like convergence i can do convergence and contango i i, I gotta get out of here so at least that didn't get said well there you go. T- good takeaway there, Roger. It was a hot take. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the spread thing, and it was, I, uh, I could not look at it without just shaking my head and looking out around the room is like, please let there be other head shakers in here because this this information is incomplete at best. It was crazy. Um, now, but like well, what said, it led to is what was crazy. Like I said, this is the standard though. I mean, so we can't say, oh, this person was just way off base. No, this is how academia yes. looks at it. So this isn't, this isn't some way off basing. This is, this is the accepted thing that academics do when it comes to basis. And then it's also probably what politicians look at when they're approached by their constituents to fix things of yeah, this nature. Oh, where do I turn? Let's go to an unbiased source. This the university. Land Grant University. But I did that. But one interesting thing that that did come about in in the presentation was this concept of the cost of forward contracting. Oh my god! And we just wanted to stand up and yell and scream and say, "Quit it! This is this is crazy." It was like the the com- the the commercial with the old ladies pinning pictures on the walls. I don't know how any of this works. My my favorite part about it, and there's one thing to to claim it, but that it was another thing to not say what it was, but reference it throughout for for you know five ten minutes degrading forward contracting, meaning yeah. farmers forward contracting with elevators and this this big cost and they charge it and she didn't even say what the how she where she's getting this number from. So at the end, um, it it was it was it was told to us that the cost of forward contracting is the difference between their average 
uh, basis that they forward contract for Harvest versus what Harvest basis actually is. Yeah. But here's the kicker. It was for one commodity. And do you know what commodity it was for? KC wheat, hard wheat. Anyone out there listening, merchandiser or farmer, are you generally better off a year ahead of harvest forward contracting hard wheat or not? I'll wait. <laughs> but we all know the answer is yes. You look at the carry charts, the, the spreads alone uh, are incredible. I think something like, you know, you're ahead 60, 70 cents over 15 years by forward contracting hard wheat the August prior to uh, the harvest that you're looking at, you know, the August ahead, a year out almost. But here, these charts were showing if you forward contract, Mr. Farmer, you're incurring all this cost. That was a, just a difference in basis. And it had no offset, which would be, well, what's the spreads? What's the carry out here? Let alone cash price. There was no mention at all of cash price anywhere. So there were a couple things that, that jumped out at me is, as Roger's saying, how much carry are you being allowed to sell? When, so I think the average, she took like 10, 15 years of history, I think, and showed us each year. You know, some years it was negative. Some years the elevator bought it stronger on forward contracts and the harvest basis happened to be low. So they, she showed that as a negative for contracting cost. Or farmer's anyway. cut. Yeah, that's the farmer's cut right there. No, so so she showed that. And I think the average was like nine cents or something. Cost of forward contracting in this this completely this term that I am completely offended by and do not endorse at all cost of forward contracting. I just want to get that out there. But but this was COFC. This was the average. So I got to thinking, and, and, and so so one thing is it, this allows you to sell a especially in in, in hard wheat. I mean a, a pretty substantial carry, and that's not being considered. But the other thing is what what's the alternative, right? Set the futures HDAs. and and not do a set the basis and wait because the average cost for guess guess what the average cost of an HDA contract is like ten cents or more depending on where you are and how far out you're going right so to say that there's this big evil thing out there that we've got to you know manage and basis because our basis risk I'm doing air quotes is is too much well. You know, those numbers said it was an average cost of like eight or nine cents of forward contracting. And that's what HTA costs. So what are we doing here? Two things is one, how much time and energy was spent into researching this stuff that isn't real? Secondly, I want to know, was there any, was there any consultation to actual grain merchandisers when doing this stuff? Not a chance. I know they answered both of those, but it's like. Why? It made for a good presentation. No, well, there were lots of charts and lots of graphs and, and things like that. PowerPoint with tiny font was in full effect these two days, boy. Let me tell you what, man. Yeah, and actually, actually, the one at this at, at this panel was was one of the least of the offenders. I, I don't know how to say that, but anyways, there were some that were just outrageous. The amount of words on a slide—it's crazy. Listen, just a side note. If you're making presentations, maybe the local high school wants you to tell them about basis or how elevators work or farming or whatever. Shout out. Yeah, if they do, just put some pictures on a slide and tell some stories about it. 
Golly, you guys. I mean, this the amount of words on this slide. So you're either going to A, read the words to the people, which is completely insulting, or B, you're going to not read them, and they're going to be trying to read it while you're talking, and it'll they won't get anything out of it. So quit, quit with all this. This is crazy. That's my side note. It's very duly noted. Okay. Randy, you make notes, show notes. Thank you. So as we're going here, uh, so we get this presentation, which of course to us is, is kind of, we're not, not appreciating the full. It's not our flavor of Kool-Aid, man. It's, I guess not. Uh, so of course then they, the CFTC person talks and is talking about kind of regulatory and why they look for convergence. So, you know, this standard stuff and, and she was good. She was pretty sharp. I think she gets it, um, in general, but she wasn't, she wasn't, um, she didn't really comment on the, on what the, the researcher had shown. And then Fred Seaman with the CME group, that guy, incredible. He had, and I'll tell you what he had. He had PowerPoints with pictures on them and he explained point by point. A lot of the stuff we said in our convergence podcast, he said it, but he knew more things and is smarter than oh, us. Infinitely. And it was so much better. Uh, so anyways, it's another side note here. We did talk to Fred later and ask him about being on the podcast because there are some changes coming up with spreads uh, next year and everything. And, and he can speak to that really well, but he can speak to convergence too. So so Penny, we'll we'll see yeah, see uh, how Corpcom does. Yeah, he's he's got to run through the channels there, but uh, but hopefully we'll we'll get him for you guys. Uh, he's a real good guy. I've known him for for a few years now. So. Yeah, because you you've worked with him on on other projects like uh, the uh, the rice rice uh, futures working committee and different yeah. things like that. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, so I got to know him through that through that. But anyways, he systematically one by one just kind of annihilated all her points and and it was it was a, a thing of beauty in, so, the, in the most congenial way it was he's just it was it was great yeah oh yeah yeah he was non i want to stand up on the table it. and clap it's just like if if uh if you were really paying attention to everything being said it was yeah man it was good one of the one of the really good points he made there were a lot but one of the really good points was uh people think of convergence as or you know getting to to zero at the at the place of delivery right but he said you can't look at it as the value of it coming into the facility it's the value going out of the facility yes. that was a really good point that you absolutely know, we didn't make on our podcast but that's phenomenal well and and you know where he's talking about the these these points in the chain of price if that makes any sense uh, of how to determine this. And he says, you know, they use the bid to the farmer. Well, why Why is that? Well, because it's easy to get online and go look and see what the bid to all the farmers are on everyone's websites, as opposed to end-user bid, less freight, you know, uh, to the to the elevator and what it is. So, you know, that's what he was saying. He goes, we've chosen as an industry to look, focus on this side, the, the pre or say the first purchaser bid, of it when we talk about conversions instead of the post side, which is the side that would really matter because farmers aren't going to be sending delivery anyway. If anyone's going to be doing it, it's commercial. It was a great point. It was, it yeah, lots of really good stuff. And I, I don't know, usually this sort of thing they'll put out like afterwards, they'll say, hey, if you want the PowerPoints from everything, 
uh, you know, and you're kind of like, I don't know. But if if you do and you come across, get, get Fred's slides because they're really good. Um, and anyways. But yeah, so that's the that was the Convergence panel. Any, anything else uh, jump out at you from the Convergence panel, Roger? No, I, I was trying to think if there was any, like, meaningful questions from the audience for the Convergence. I think most of that had to do with the rail freight s- rates and spoofing and high frequency trading and that stuff during the conversion. No, no, no. I said from the other, oh, other yeah. issues, but no, I had to step out. You actually listened to that one, right? The, the, there was some no, deal with right, rail yeah. or something on the convergence. Yeah. yeah this is some interest of just about how freight rates are, are different. I, I don't, I don't see how it really, I, I think I, I know the point he was making as far as trying to get somebody to do something about it, but the, the rates are what they are because of, because of negotiated rail rates and stuff. Right. So. What well, and wasn't it in essence just as simple as the difference in rail rates between a single and a unit? Right. Yeah. But he, he was saying they're using that to to flood delivery points when they you know could make better sales. I, I think was his point. Um, I don't know. It was sounded like it was blaming people for arbitraging. Yeah. <laughs> Which is right. what the business we're in, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyways, but it, it was a it was a good it was a good panel. It, really interesting for us. We were and and for the first time, I've I've been to one of these things where you get the academic types, and I've seen it too many times of of these convergence the basis charts of fifteen years of no spreads. It was finally someone who understood, actually said our side of it and said it better than I could have because he's you know an economist and everything. And it was really good. So I was I was happy with that. And I will say, maybe you guys can help, folks out there in, in uh, podcast land. How do we how do we change this conversation that academia puts on us about basis and 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 the the biggest thing I think is their lack of understanding of how spreads work. And we're gonna do some podcasts about spreads, and maybe you can you can turn them to it. But but I think it's a lack of understanding how spreads work. I mean, and how how the, co- the commercial grain business uses basis and spreads uh, to, to you know, to make the supply chain work. So it's, I, I don't know how we get that message out there to the academia land, but man, I'd like I, to see it there. I hear there's a company that actually has some classes about that, that maybe we could get them signed up on. That's true. That would probably And, and I don't, and you know, I don't mean to de- degrade all professors like, University of Arkansas, North Dakota State, they they do a really good job. So there there are some there are some places that do understand it. Yes, but Dr. McKenzie, uh, University of Arkansas, friend of Roger and I's, he has gone to like these. They put on conferences for professors that teach futures and options class, which is just a class you explain how initial margin works, and then you give them all a a a fictitious trading trade account. game. <laughs> And they and then make you win money. fake money uh, at the end. I think. Yeah, because that's that's a good thing to learn. But anyways, I, whatever. Um, so I just why is an ag college doing this? Like, I get it if it's like a you know, well, let's teach people how to spec and run a hedge fund. But well, that's what we're gonna have casino one hundred and one. If we're gonna do that, I don't. But anyways, Doctor McKenzie goes to these conferences, and at one of the conferences, he or one of his grad students that worked on it for him made a presentation about how elevators use pre-spreads. They spread it ahead of time. You know, like right at this time of year, they're looking forward and they say, see huge carries, so they'll lock that in. This concept was 
it was like they were inventing a new computer or something, or the internet was invented. But Dr. McKenzie said these people are like, I've never thought of it. Like, it, like somebody who handles grain would go out and just set the spread ahead of time and not roll it. These are people that teach futures and options classes at ag colleges, a conference of them, and they had never thought of this concept. So this is, and this is why we get charts with no spreads in them. And the, and all this stuff. So, so my anyways, forward contracting has a cost. We got to spread the message. So all we know, there's a lot of big money listeners out there in podcast land that give a bunch of money to your university, and they want to hear what you say. So there you go. So speaking of big money, at this time, it's it's time to to hear from our sponsor. Sponsor time, of course. So today, hats off. They stepped up. They supported us in our time of need. Today's sponsor, Aflatoxin. The good folks at Aflatoxin reached out to us to help them in their mission of cleaning up their image. So today we're going to present to you some of the quick hot takes that we come up with to address their concerns. Aflatoxin Corn, supporting the blacklight and coffee grinder industries for 48 years. Aflatoxin, at least it's not leprosy. Aflatoxin Corn, they're one in a billion, sometimes a few more. Aflatoxin corn. Ain't killed no chickens yet. Aflatoxin corn. What's that? Now just go to the coffee shop and then go back. Aflatoxin corn. Will it blend? Aflatoxin corn. If anyone asks, of course you buried it. Aflatoxin corn. Don't let the producer talk you into testing it twice. Aflatoxin corn. Antibiotic-free, gluten-free, non-GMO, organic, you name it. It's all natural. Can't get more woke than that. Ten chicken nuggets for a dollar? Aflatoxin corn. Coincidence? I think not. All right. You know, one of the other topics that was one of much contentiousness at the conference last week was, I don't know exactly if this was the topic, but this is what was talked about, was high-frequency trading. Specifically, there was a good little back and forth on spoofing I got to be honest, up until a few years ago, I did, that word probably meant something else to me. But I know what it means now. And so did everyone else in the room. And there was a lot of um, high emotions, let's say, about that. Um, it was incredible. Some of the people that stood up and asked questions had like prepared statements and brought, and they were going to have their, you know, have their voice heard. Uh, as they should. This was, you know, an open forum, I think. This is a free country. And you can ask questions that you've prepared on a legal pad that's 18 pages long, but you can do it. It was interesting. I thought like these guys were trying to get, because you had CFTC and CME group officials up there, and it was like they were trying to verbally entrap them with these questionings, you know. It was like watching a Law and Order or something. Like the the Pharisees or something. (laughs) But anyways, I digress. By whose authority? (laughs) But uh, but it was good. So one of the one of the um, researchers, you know, that started off the panel was really good. Um, he was from out west somewhere, but he talked about all the good is, of course, a subjective term in its nature. So uh, I'm not saying this is super relevant to us, but we're going to talk about that. But but it was interesting. It was eye opening in that. 
the the speed at which information travels has become so important to these large what they call high frequency trading basically just computers trading things at a high rate it's like this is where all the bitcoin mining computers have gone i think or something i don't know it is it is like it's as fast as we possibly can and and do this. so folks are so listen to this and i tweeted about this uh if you if yeah, you did. Me, look it up because i was just sitting at my house later that night just trying to process what i heard people are building towers tall enough to send information through microwaves across continents that tall enough to compensate for the curvature of the earth so that it can go in a straight line and not lose any milliseconds and you think that's that's silly that's craziness but then i mean later we found oh, out that wow. it, it matters and it's it's uh, crazy and, it, and we're so lucky fortunate blessed whatever you want to say to be in the business we're in and to use futures how we use them as a tool for hedging and not have to worry about that stuff it's incredible but but i'm so i'm glad it exists in a way because i mean obviously we it's always volume. have people sure it's uh, liquidity it gives you liquidity it can move the market up or down uh slightly and very fast only for for mere moments at a time and literally less than the blink of an eye and for someone in the business if you're farming or or uh, or feeding, you can have a target in and get filled because some algorithm misread its scan of the USDA report for one millionth of a second. And I'm I'm telling you, and you it sounds it sounds like I'm just exaggerating. I'm being hyperbolic. Is that Jules Verne at the other end of the table? <laughs> But uh, but I'm not. This is this is a real life, and and it was incredible. One of the presenters um, from a you know private company that researches trading history and patterns, I guess. And I didn't really understand what he did, but he had some neat looking stuff he was showing. Uh, they were showing the trade data from the CME down to the ninth decimal place of a second. I don't know. Is that a billionth of a second or I something can't, like that? Dude, Arkansas. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. And it, the full depth of market at each moment and where a trade happens at each moment. So, yeah, I mean, you can imagine clicking through that. I mean, you, you'd have to look through. It'd take you days just to go through one second of trading if as a person just to look through all the, all the little points along the way. It's crazy. And he was showing up there. He'd show like... Here's to the second, and then immediately after, in the milliseconds, what happened when Trump tweeted about the trade war and stuff. Right. And it was neat to look at. I, honestly, I don't know what I was looking at. I don't know what significance it has for me. Probably none. But it was interesting to see how how that stuff works, how the bid-ask gap moves around and has a void afterwards. And But again, we're talking just in our business quicker than you're going to talk to a producer to buy grain and turn around and hedge it or... You know, this is one of the reasons we exchange futures with people and we sell to them. You know, the, all these things that happen, It's um, it was interesting from that side. And that kind of got a, a sneak peek into the mindset of, uh, especially on Twitter, where you have a lot of these guys that are professional traders having such beefs with or have had over the last several years with HFT and algos and all this other stuff. Uh, I can see why, because as a human, you're, you, you can't, you can't do what you used to could do by any means anymore. I mean, they have yeah. freaking thousand foot towers, man. You can't do anything with that. 
Yeah, and this is this is the thing. The CME Group make is a publicly traded company that makes money by trades happening. Anything that makes trades happen with a high frequency, that sounds great. So it's not going away. I don't think it, it needs to go. But, but people are it, – so it's funny. You hear about all this crazy stuff. It blows your mind. And then you hear all the people commenting. Everybody, I guess, talks their own position is something we say. But, but you know, it's their own perspective and how it affects them. And they're just mad about something, right? Mm-hmm. So they're 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 crabby, and and I, I don't want to I, I don't want to degrade them for being upset. I understand it's their it's their business, but uh, but guys will stand up and, and just get so mad and say this isn't fair because you know these microwave towers go go you know a split second faster than it, and we need. You got the the older guys standing up that used to be floor traders and then now just have to trade on their devices and you know they've got I don't know rural internet uh, out in the, wherever they are and trying to trade against these these things with the dude the water towers ain't got nothing on microwave towers holy smoke so so these guys are like oh we need humans this is you know humans will let this happen and, and but I get I get to thinking of it in terms of hedgers right these none of these guys are that. Uh, for the most part. In name only. And, right, they may call themselves a hedge fund. But anyways, they, they're not in the commercial business as we are. And so they, they should have to say, you know, what good does it do? to? Because they released the report during the market. And they're like, this isn't fair. we got to stop this because these algorithms see something and they go the wrong way. And then they come back and da-da-da-da-da. Well, great. Um, the, so... It, Guys, and I would say, you know, humans, we would, we could reason through this stuff. Trump tweets or whoever, whatever happens, we can reason through this and get to, you know, without the market disruption. Market disruption. So he says, you know, maybe the market goes down five, uh, five cents and then recovers and goes up five cents, and it didn't need to happen if we'd have just looked at the whole thing before started trading. It wouldn't. I think that's fantastic. I love market volatility from a hedger standpoint. Is Hey, it gives if if it drops sharply, it gives feeders a chance to buy cheap product or ethanol plants or whoever. And if it sh- spikes up sharply, hey, it gives farmers a chance to sell a good price. This is this is good. This is, these are good things. I think to us, that's my perspective. I think it was just a, people put a trade on before a report, and then when the volatility happened the wrong way, got scared, took it off, took a lick, and then watched it go the other direction. That's my guess. Yeah. But I, I and it's know. somebody else's fault. Right, right. So, you know, from a commercial Melvair standpoint, and what yeah, I don't see what matters. Yeah. The timing of it. And you you're doing market orders when guys calling to sell stuff or you're putting target orders in on stuff. It's just not that big a deal on this side. Thankfully. I'm thankful for that. So it's, it's the whole trader versus merchant. Trader versus mentality. merchant, absolutely. And and I and you mentioned that afterwards to thank the good Lord that on the side of the business where for most intents and purposes, the price doesn't matter the way it does to, for these other guys. So, uh, you know, I can appreciate their position, but uh, uh, I can also say I'm glad I'm not in it. Yeah, and it's good to have that perspective because last year – there were guys like wheat farmers are there standing up and they're upset because they hear all this complaining about the high frequency guys saying stuff's not fair in the market. And 
And then these convergence professors say convergence is, and they're and they're thinking all this affects it. it. It doesn't. In our from our side of the the bushel, this is, these are not things we should get hung up on. It's it's working fine for us. And you know, honestly, that's where the big dollars are. So that's who the CME group and the CFTC. They're having their big issues are with those large, crazy high firms because one, they're big money. And to their big volumes of trades and and all this stuff, and and they they're gonna keep them in check. I think to the where it would never, I don't think, affect us on this on this side. It, hopefully, I I don't know if that's if that's a good position to have or not. But that's how I felt. Is like okay, well they're gonna make sure these minute minute moments of seconds are uh, are taken care of. But for us. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. We also we we also learned that information takes two seconds to go from DC to KC, from where they release USD reports to where the USD servers are here in KC. And big trading firms have offices across the road from wherever the USDA releases a report at, so they get the information in milliseconds, and the public gets it in two seconds. And this is an issue <laughs> apparently the government's trying to work on, which again to me seems wild and crazy but that's the world in which we live yeah from our side of things i mean what Two is seconds. It, you know a second and a half who cares uh it's that's not that big a deal but but to these hft guys sure. it really is sure so. hey I'll, power to them man that's just keep right. us liquid that's all we need that's right and hey keep the markets moving around too that's good it gives everybody opportunities and and it's good i think yeah So yeah, so that was pretty well uh, a good recap uh, of the conference from last week, mainly because we've had lots of sleeps since then. I'm sure we've lost some some nuances, but I think we got the general gist across. Yeah, I hope so, and I hope we didn't offend too many people. I'm sure we did, okay. and it's that's cool. Yes, reach stir out to the us. pot every now and then. That's right. You just got to reach out to us and correct us, and uh, and we're we're always receptive to to that sort of thing uh but yeah we appreciate everybody listening and for continuing to uh listen to our perspective on things hopefully we're a little entertaining and and i think we are because we've had tremendous feedback not just there but you know in general online on twitter people calling us sending emails it's been been really good it's been kind of kind of uh mind-blowing honestly that this many people's listening to it i was very surprised when Randy gives us the download numbers and just all the feedback and other people in our business talking to folks and they're out and about it's it's been pretty cool so it's really cool to have that and and so we want to continue that relationship and want you to to reach out uh give us good reviews don't give us bad ones give us good (laughs) reviews on iTunes and all other stuff not that it matters but it's kind of cool to see well you know Roger and I enjoy doing this so much that that we do this anyways probably even if nobody listened because it's fun absolutely we just like listen to ourselves <laughs> right but people are actually listening which is which is really cool i think uh last week we went over the six thousand download mark or something who knows what it's at now we actually had a listener write lyrics to a song all about that basis and uh working on getting her guest appearance to sing it for us absolutely we got and we got a few she's listening right now she knows who she is we're not going to call any names yet. Oh, we can't? Okay. But 
If she doesn't <laughs> respond by singing, we'll probably name names. There we go. Well, and we, we've got a few people lined up for, for interviews on here that have reached out that, that we'd like to get their perspective. So we're, we're looking forward to it. Got a lot of cool stuff uh, on the horizon. So thanks, everybody. And this is not why you're listening to the podcast today. You're listening to hear all about the stuff we already talked about. So let's wrap it up. Right, Randy? Yes. So, again, thanks for listening. Keep on doing it. And, and uh, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut. Out. Oh.